This is My Seminary Life, episode 11, where we'll be spending some time looking at some of the poetry C.S. Lewis has written. Welcome back to My Seminary Life. I'm your host, Brandon Knight. I'm excited here today to bring you another episode. But full disclosure, things are going to be a little bit different in today's episode. I was originally planning on reading the section in The Essential C.S. Lewis, edited by Lyle W. Dorset, on miracles. But the week was a little much. <laughs> A lot of good things came up this week. I had a doctor's appointment. I spent time with a spent a lot of time with a friend who's moving out of town next week. Went to dinner with a friend last night. Also, uh, this is the week before Memorial Day, which the week before Memorial Day is the busy one of the busiest weeks for us at work, especially the Friday before. So, with all of the uh, busyness, all of the exhaustion from work, that combination always equals Brandon having a bit of mental health issues as well. So all of that, plus the fact that this, mir- this section on miracles is a longer section, I just did not finish. I got to yesterday afternoon, the script was barely finished. Though I still had several pages left on miracles, so I just knew I I knew we weren't going to get through it without me stressing and wrecking myself even more, and that's just not a healthy practice. We talked about that a lot in last season on spiritual formation. Uh, it, it was just not going to be, it wasn't going to be beneficial to me to do all that in order to finish the episode. So we've called an audible here. Now, before we get to what we're going to be talking about today instead, just so you know, we're not going to get to this conversation on miracles for probably two or three more episodes. And the reason being is so we're going to do so we're going to talk about poetry today. Next week, I'm actually going to be preaching at a church on the topic of grief. And to help me do my sermon prep, I'm going to be reading I have a Book. It's a short book uh, that collects a number of different thoughts Lewis has on grief from a number of his different books. It's not just the problem with pain or uh, a grief observed. It's, it's a lot of different writings compiled together on grief. So I was going to read that to help with my sermon prep during the week, and I figured, oh, why not knock out two birds with one stone? and that's what we're going to talk about next week here on the podcast, looking at some of Lewis's thoughts on grief, pain, suffering, things like that. Going to be kind of like revisiting the Dark Night of the Soul episode from uh, several podcasts ago. But, uh, but so next week we're going to do grief, which means it's not going to be until the following week that we're going to circle back to this conversation on miracles. Again, I apologize for that. But let me say, it's probably worth it because this is a very long section and it's been very good. I have 
been, I've had a lot of thoughts, a lot of thoughts from this reading. I would say so far, this is the, this has been the read so far that has blown my mind the most in these few episodes that we've done on C.S. Lewis. So stay tuned. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be beneficial to me to do it this way. But like I said, I didn't want to leave you all hanging for this episode and give you nothing or to do something that would be completely unrelated to C.S. Lewis. So instead, in this, uh, in this essential C.S. Lewis book, there is a section of Lewis's poetry. It's short. I think there's only a dozen or so poems here, which Lewis has written a lot of poetry. Actually, his first two books were books of poetry. They didn't go over very well, but he has written hundreds, I believe, of poems. I think is what I read in preparation. He's written hundreds of poems. Uh, there are There's one big book called Poems that collects all of them together. He, Like I said, he started out writing these first two books, and then poetry just kind of became something that would get peppered into his writings and teachings uh, throughout the rest of the course of his life. So we're going to spend some time doing something different today. Instead of looking at one major theme in this episode, uh, we have a number of themes to look at here from C.S. Lewis. I don't know where you're at right now, but it is a chilly May day this morning as I'm recording this podcast. I've got like sweatpants and a hoodie on as I'm prepping this. By the way, I usually wear my pajamas when I do this. Why get all fancied up when, you know, you're not, you don't see me. You don't see what I look like. This is basically radio. So anyway, it's a chilly May day where I'm at. We're going to talk about poetry. So if you want to, put this episode on pause. Go make yourself a cup of a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, if it's a nice chilly day where you're at as well, grab a blanket, put on some light, casual music. I'm gonna I'm gonna tone down my voice a bit, maybe give you some NPR, very steady, calming voice for this rest of this episode. Hopefully I won't start talking like William Shatner as I'm recording this, pausing in between each word as if there was a comma there at various strange points. Anyway, uh, again, this is just going to be a relaxed, calming episode because truth be told, I kind of need a calming, relaxed day to recover from this week and to prepare for the week ahead of me. And I bet you do too. And what better way than with poetry? It's calming. It's relaxing. We're going to have a poetry slam here on My Seminary Life this morning. Now, if you came here for deep theological studies, uh, sorry, this is not the season for that. We're taking a break from classes and we're spending some time with C.S. Lewis right now. But let's all take a break and enjoy some poetry. While no one, O oh God, through the years will say the simplest common word 
in just your way. In Joyous That Sting, Lewis reflects on how it hurts to do things that at one point in time you used to do with other people. This is a sentiment that many of us had this time last year, as we desperately just wanted to go out and get a cup of coffee with friends face to face. Lewis was not shy in writing about death and pain, as we will see more here in a moment, but also here in Skazons, we hear him echo the passing of an old friend. Walking today by a cottage, I shed tears when I remembered how once I had walked with there with my friends, who are mortal and dead, years, little had healed the wound that was laid bare. Twice in this collection, we read poems dedicated to the passing of loved ones. First, there is to Charles Williams, who was part of the Inklings with Lewis and Tolkien. Your death blows a strange bugle call, friend, and all is hard. To see plainly or to record truly. The other is dedicated to Lewis's dear wife. Helen Joy Davidman, which reads in part, Like cast-off clothes was left behind in ashes, yet with hope that she, reborn from holy poverty, in Lenten lands hereafter may resume them on her Easter day. Lewis, looking to be culturally relevant, wrote the poem On the Atomic Bomb as a commentary on doomsday hysteria. It makes me wonder if Lewis was alive today, if back in March of 2020, he would have sat down and penned a poem reflecting on panic buying and other end of the world mentalities that we had during that time. So, you found an engine of injury that angels might dread. The world plunges, shies, snorts, and curvets like a horse in danger. Lewis was not shy in critiquing other people's work, like in his poem, A Confession, where he is attacking the work of T.S. Eliot. I am so coarse, the things the poets see are obstinately invisible to me. Of course, Lewis wasn't too prideful that he didn't take shots at himself either, as in his poem, Posturing. Because of endless pride, reborn with endless error, each hour I look aside upon my secret mirror trying all posture there to make my image fair. In Evolutionary Hymn, Lewis brings down the idea of progress, which makes me wonder if his old friend J.R.R. Tolkien would have approved, seeing how this is one of the major themes in The Lord of the Rings, and if you'll allow me to digress for a moment, 
I love J.R.R. Tolkien almost as much, if not more, than C.S. Lewis. My hope would be to spend some time on his work sometime here on the podcast. But oftentimes in The Lord of the Rings, the, uh, the purpose, the meaning of the story is often simplified down to a simple allegory of good versus evil, or there is a messiah imagery read into Aragorn, and that is the uh, seen as the main purpose of the story is a Christ, Jesus Christ story in the form of Aragorn retaking the throne in Gondor. Personally, I see that one of the major themes of this story that is often overlooked is that dealing with industrialism. As we see, it's symbolized in the book by the evils of industrialism in the form of the construction of the orcs, as nature is destroyed in order to create the orc army and the weaponry, nature is destroyed to uh, fuel the machines that are creating these weapons of war. What contrasted that with the simplicity, albeit oftentimes the ignorance, of the Shire life. That is the tone here in The Lord of the Rings, that this is a story about advancement, industrialism, and how it's destroying nature and the evil that comes from the industrialized mindset. While although you may live a life of ignorance and bliss, there is a simplicity and beauty in the Shire. Now, thank you for letting me get on my soapbox here for a moment, talking about Tolkien. But to resume the talk here on evolutionary hymn, Lewis writes, By evolving, life is solving all the questions we perplexed. Lewis also wrote on theological topics as well. In Sonnet, he gives his view on the day Sennacherib's army was stopped by the Lord in 2 Kings 19. Till men have prayed and suffers their weak prayers indeed to move as very muscles his delaying fingers, who, in his longamity and love for us, small dignities enfeebles for a time his power. In Stephen to Lazarus, we read the first Christian martyr Stephen talking to Lazarus, who Jesus raised from the dead, about how maybe Lazarus was really the bigger martyr, seeing how he came back from the dead, from rest, back to life to potentially serve Jesus longer in his second life. But was I the first martyr who gave up no more than life? While you, already free among the dead, your rags stripped off, your fetters shed, well, knowing that your death, no vein died once, must all be died 
again. Finally, in the Apologist Evening Prayer, which this really doesn't take the form of a prayer traditionally, Lewis briefly reflects on the life of an apologist and the things you can get caught up in, like intellectualism. And he turns this all over to the Lord. Thoughts are but coins. Let me not trust instead of thee, their thin, worn image of thy head. From all my thoughts, even from my thoughts of thee, O thou fair silence, fall and set me free. Lord of the narrow gate and the needle's eye, take from me all my trumpery, lest I die. In all of these, my favorite was As the Ruin Falls. In this poem, Lewis opens with, All this is flashy rhetoric about loving you. Never, I never had a selfless thought since I was born. Lewis compares himself to being a mercenary, always being self-seeking no matter who he is dealing with. God, friends, loved ones were there to serve him. He may talk of love, but pleasure is all he seeks and does not think outside of himself. Now, as everything is falling apart, he has realized his lack of true love in his life, and that his heart was being made into a bridge to escape exile, but the bridge was falling apart. Now, in the pain, he blesses the Lord. I cannot say with certainty that the Lord will always let things fall apart when he wants to communicate with us or reshape our hearts to love as he loves. But if we live in sin, much like Lewis did here, we may see the ruins fall of our own personal idolatry and God reshaping our hearts in truth and love. As we spend time looking at poetry today, I think it wise for us to spend a little bit of time reflecting on Scripture's view on creativity. Because you cannot talk about women and men like C.S. Lewis or other Christian authors and creators without addressing the fact that creativity and imagination has a role in God's plan in bringing humanity back up to him. And so, today, in our verse of the week, we're actually looking at a section of verses from the book of Exodus. Exodus 35, verses 30 through 35. Then Moses said to the people of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood, for work in every skilled craft. And he has inspired him to teach, both him and Ohilladab, 
the son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan. He has filled them with skill to do every sort of work done by an engraver or designer or by an embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yarns, in fine twine linen, or by a weaver, by any sort of workman or skilled designer. Do you know what these men are going to go work on next? They are working on designing the tabernacle. The tabernacle, the place where God met Israel prior to Solomon building the temple hundreds of years later, this tabernacle, this tent and poles, this wasn't just a simple tent with some logs that held it together. This was, this was a work of art. This was a thing of beauty. There was no simple, plain designs here. It was beautiful. And what is beautiful in this section is that we see that the Spirit of God filled these men to get this work done. This creative work was done by men being led by the Spirit of God, being empowered by His Spirit to get the work done, to create something beautiful. There is a place in God's plan for imagination, for creativity, for art. There's a place for poetry. There's a place for creative stories. There's a place for dance. There's a place for music. There's a place for all these expressions of beauty to be dedicated to God. Works that we can do to lead people to Christ, works that can be done to disciple his followers already, can be done in creativity with imagination as the Spirit of God works through us. And it's my encouragement to you today as we wrap up our time here, wrap up our time looking at C.S. Lewis's poetry, that maybe you could take some time this coming week to be creative. What is it that you enjoy in your creative process? Working with wood, designing things online, writing. I personally, this may be a more liberal perspective, so forgive me if this offends you, but I personally have always seen writing and preaching a sermon as an art form as an art, an act of worship to God. And so I I look forward to this coming week where I can spend some time creating art in a form of a sermon and presenting it here into Sundays to a church. But what can you do this week to, to be a part of God's plan and bringing humanity back up to him in the form of art and creativity. I wish I would have had more time this week to sit down and write for you my own poem to add to this conversation. Back when I was in uh, college and 
dealing with a lot of my mental health problems at the time for whatever reason, that was a season of my life where I was able to write a lot of poetry. I have a hard time now sitting down and putting pen to paper when it comes to poetry, but I will I will see maybe if through this time of writing the sermon, if anything comes to mind that I can maybe share in the future in the form of a poem. Thank you all for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please do all the things where you go and subscribe and favorite and do star reviews and written reviews. Basically, what I'm saying is I need you to go trick whatever platform you're listening to, listening to our show on, whatever it is, try and trick the algorithm into thinking that this show is actually really, really good. That's what I need you to do for me, okay? So Because when that happens, the show gets recommended more to other people, or we could just do things the old-fashioned way, and you can tell somebody you know about the show that you think would really enjoy it. Also, if you really enjoyed this Poetry Slam edition of My Seminary Life, let me know. You can comment on wherever you found this link on social media. You can slide into my DMs on Twitter at my underscore seminary life, or you can leave us a message on Anchor, and I'd be happy to hear those from you all. Let me know what you think. If this is something you want to hear again, I there's no more poetry in this book, but obviously there's lots of poetry out in the world that I could get my hands on, and we could do a future Poetry Slam edition of my seminary life just for a change of pace. Okay, so like I said, had to call an audible this week, and again, I apologize for that. I hope this episode was still encouraging, still enlightening for you. Uh, Next week, we're going to be talking about grief. So we were nice and cozy in this episode. Next week, uh, prepare for heaviness. It's going to get heavy. It's going to get uncomfortable, but it's going to be good. And this is, you know, much like when we talked about the dark night of the soul, this is something that we need to talk about. We don't need to skirt around this conversation. So, and again, Miracles will be coming up the following week, and it's going to be good. You don't want to miss the conversation on Miracles. But that's it for this week's episode. Thanks for stopping in. I love you all. Goodbye.